You've found the podcast where driving matters. Whether you haul, commute, or cruise, we want you to love what you drive. We're here to help you find usability and fun. From first-time buyers to jaded experts, we believe everyone is one great car away from being car-obsessed. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Well, wow, I'm exhausted and we haven't even started the podcast yet. Happy Tuesday, by the way. But I feel that way because last podcast on Friday, we talked a lot about the GR Corolla. Mm -hmm. What we avoided is everything else that happened last week. And now we got to catch up. We're jumping right in with two cars that have been introduced. First, the Ford Mustang has been introduced for 2024. The S650. Replacing the 550. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's still 2022 as of this recording. <laughs> oh, Anybody yeah. else doing math? Hmm. It's been really introduced. Like everything, all the information has been revealed. So can we call this the Mustang of the future? Uh, but, but it exists. <laughs> it looks ready to go. They, yeah. they started the cars. They drove them on a stage. This is that, this is that thing that you're talking about is the hype train is so far ahead. This, you're right. This car is announced as if you could go to your dealer currently. But there's going to be a time period where this will fall out of favor because mm-hmm. some new car will be announced. Yes. And then everybody will say, oh, yeah, the thing that was introduced like a year ago yeah. is now out and we can actually drive them. Yeah. That happened with the GR Corolla, too. And the Supra. And, you, and it keeps Everything. going. Yes. This is going to be over a year before they're actually able to be driven. Uh-huh. That's a long time. Yeah. And, and I, lo- I do love that the launch is as if... You know, here's here's the new Mustang. Not not here's the com- the Mustang that's coming. Here's the new one. It's Here the it new is. one. Like go to, just go get one. Right? D- shouldn't I just go to my dealer and I, let's get, just go get have the new Mustang? Lots, right? Six fifty. It's here. It's here. It's there. Ready yeah. to go. Okay, I have to order it. Just wait a couple of months and you'll have it. Right? <laughs> no, I was not expecting such great things. Okay. As a matter of fact, I was a little worried because the dark horse flavors mm. had not been introduced. All the information had not been put forth yet. And I was holding things in reserve. However, I was thinking, uh-oh, if we're just getting by on styling alone and just mm-hmm. a few new features and mm-hmm. this is just a refresh and mostly the same, same wheelbase, a little bump in power, a little bit different interface, and mm. you know the materials have changed. I was worried. Mm, okay. I have gone the other way. Oh, really? I'm blown away. Okay, all right. Mainly because of this new nomenclature that Ford has introduced for mm-hmm. the Mustang. Mm-hmm. It's called Dark Horse. Dark Horse S, Dark Horse R. <laughs> There's a difference between the two of them. Sure, okay. Yes, the Mustang GT gets a 5-liter V8 with a manual transmission and 500 horsepower. Well, they said they're projecting 500 horsepower, which means if we come in at like 490, you guys are going to be good with that, right? It'll, it'll be... It'll just, there's, there's that word projecting. It'll be between 490 and 500. That's what'll happen. Just it'll it'll be like fine. 493 horsepower. Exactly. You know, which, yeah. I'm sure we'll all be fine with, which is impressive. No, it's absurd. That's a lot. For I went and bought yeah, a Mustang right, GT right. at my local Ford dealer. I just went and bought one. It's a 500 horsepower. What think about it in these terms. The Mustang has been the accessible sports car forever. And I'm going to walk into yeah. my local dealer and I'm going to buy a 500 horsepower accessible sports car. When it comes out in two years, but my point right. is, <laughs> but my point is, I mean, we we have reached ridiculous horsepower levels on everything, which is cool and exciting. That kind of ties into our topic Tuesday for today, but we'll get there in just a minute because the Dark Horse S is for weekend track days. Mm-hmm. Okay, the Dark Horse R is developed for racing. These have been developed to deliver the highest performance Mustangs they've ever done. Mm-hmm. We liked that GT350 quite a lot. Yeah, it was good. It's pretty fast, pretty powerful, pretty good, drove well. We we're, liked it. We're fans of the Mach 1 without the GT350 crazy yeah. engine. Yeah. These are to be better. They've got Multimatic dampers, a full FIA certified safety cage, safety nets, race seat with safety belts, a race steering wheel with quick disconnect, <laughs> electrical disconnects, and a fire suppression system. So not for the for the pickup line at this uh, is daycare. A, yeah. I mean, I suppose you can go to Starbucks in this. I, <laughs> I don't think so. It may not even be street legal. We'll see. Yeah. So, Once so you go far, that far. We've got the entry level model, the mm-hmm. Mustang with a two point three EcoBoost. It's my yeah. understanding that the manual transmission is not available with that engine. So Interesting. It's, okay. It's a, well, it said NA, so I'm going with I guess not available. Okay. It's not until you get to the five O mm-hmm. that GT 
And then now we've got these upper two levels. The S is for, like I said, the weekend track days, but the R, there is a difference, a lot more seam welding, mm-hmm. like stiffer parts of it are built in roll cages. Well, and some of this list suggests it won't even be street legal. It's just going to be your right. track car. Yeah. Throw down. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, in that dark horse, in both of them, manual transmission from Tremec is available with a standard 3D printed titanium shift knob. We're 3D printing titanium now? Yes, we are. Okay, good to know. Industrial additives is the correct. Ooh, well done, yes. Mm-hmm. But not only this, when a dark horse, what? Nobody's ever said dark horse before. <laughs> Let's use all the equine terminology, the yes. nostrils flaring and the, mm, oh, the thunder you know of the hoofbeats. Uh, you better the, believe it. You're glad you know, you're the, here, man. The rippling muscles on the flanks. It's how tall is your Mustang? Well, it's my, four and a half hands high. My Mustang's six hands high, but you know what? I'm going to get it lowered so it's only five. It was the Mustang Variations. Slated to compete in GT3 IMSA, the global GT4 classes in IMSA, SRO, and FIA GT racing, NASCAR, NHRA Factory X, and Australia Supercars. Hmm. And they're returning to Le Mans in the GT3 class in a Mustang. They're so serious about this, I was blown away. You know what this is, though? Fantastic. It's, it is it Well is done, crazy. Ford. Yeah, it is. Especially considering... We all kind of suspect that the Camaro will not survive the, the model refresh. I think I think the Camaro that's out there is the last Camaro. I, I'm very curious to drive this against things like the new Z and the Supra and stuff. Granted, I know totally. the power is not directly across, but we're talking about similar money. We're talking about similar cars in size and weight. I mean, uh, 3,700 pounds is roughly the weight of this new Mustang GT, and the thing is, Just, that's the weight of the new Z car. That's true. They're I all, mean, everything's gotten you know, really heavy. And that one will be 400 horsepower, and, and, and it won't be in a, because, you know, the, the Z car is your turbo power and 400 right. horsepower. The Mustang GT will be V8 naturally aspirated. I'm fascinated by that compare right there. Rippling mane on the Mustang. Stop, okay. stop, stop. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. The best part about all these cars, though? Uh-oh. You can rev your engine with the key fob. Is that the best part? Yes, because there's going to be rev wars in the parking lots of cars and coffee. I even thought about musicians doing oh, no. an art installation and playing music oh. with the key fobs. The key fobs will rev the engines to different RPM level of to play the tune of whatever you're doing. And the key fobs, they'll be stepped on by like cats or something to rah, rah, rah. Okay. What, what, what podcast number is this? <laughs> this is 737. Okay. I, everybody listening, everybody <laughs> listening, make a little note. Podcast 737. <laughs> Paul made a note. I, I, I promise some, you. Some musician I promise is going to do no, this. No, no, no. I think Ford's going to do it. I think Ford Marketing is going to have okay. a bunch of them in a line okay. to show the lineup, and they're going to have the key fobs make them all play at a certain RPM. I yeah. think you're on to something, and I'm just saying right now we're putting our stake in the ground that when the marketing department does this, you can all okay. send them a tweet and be like, uh-huh, podcast <laughs> number 737. Okay, fair uh-huh. enough. This is not past car manufacturers for doing things like this. Does everybody remember the section of road in California that Honda sponsored? Yes. And they created, I actually forget the the song that they It was uh, the 1812 Overture, wasn't it? Was it? I think so. Anyway, keep going. Anyway, they, they poured yeah. the cement. They, they made the, the grooves the in the cement. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so at a particular speed, I believe it was 60 miles an hour, uh-huh. over this, the car's resonance would play the song. It was the Lone Ranger. For dun, 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 was it? it okay. Was oh, yes, okay. it All was. Right. Uh-huh. And it was like a mile stretch of road or uh-huh. however long it was to finish the song. And they had it for a while. And it was like, great. <laughs> Yes to that. So they could put it in a commercial. Yes. Uh Thanks for the creativity. Thanks for thinking of that. Thanks for putting the marketing effort and dollars behind it. So now I think Ford's going to do something like this. Maybe they'll have animals, you know, pushing on the key fobs at the right this, time. And no. rawr, 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 rawr. Uh-huh. This, I, I you have, know it's coming. I, I, sadly, it is coming. I have to say this, this is officially the bridge too far for me. <laughs> this is, we have, you want to know where the line is? You are, you've jumped over it because. Or jumped is, the Mustang? This is, there you go. This is so, I'm sorry, I'm calling it. This is so stupid. <laughs> Because you are literally in the coffee shop at Cars and Coffee, and you're making your car rev out front. <laughs> this is this is posing at a distance. It is. It is. At least posing if you sp- from afar. I mean, as much as I, I, I'll tell you something that's happened before. You know, when we go to we go to Germany, I can't believe we get to, but we go to Germany, and we have all, there's all the cars out front from RSR. Uh-huh. If yeah. you want to watch a mechanic get that prickle at the back of their neck that you see in cats when you scare them. Uh-huh. Climb into an RSR car on a cold morning and rev the engine. Oh, yeah. They will descend <laughs> yeah. like assassins. They are at, at the car. Please don't do that. 
Exactly. Okay, so, so no now, I'm thinking, about, now I'm thinking about cars sitting in the parking lot on some cold morning of a Cars and Coffee, and you're just going gonna to rev it. You're going to rev it at a distance. Folks, oh, stop. Even better is there's going to be something you can download as part of the app. Oh, of course. To download mm. a tune uh-huh, or a rev pattern. Uh-huh. Oh, and yeah, then yeah. we're all going to play them back in the parking lot. So Cars and Coffees are going to be full of these, just people revving their engines with their fobs. From afar. I mean, it sounds cool, the marketing, and then they went through with it, and I'm, huh. I'm, well, I'm it's, I uh, want to see the marketing part of that, and then let's be done with it, and then can we disable all that? Well, but I mean, this is the thing that Teslas have done forever, where they play special Christmas tunes at Christmas time, and you can yeah. make the doors open and the lights blink, and do we, really? You know, yeah, I, have a cr- I have a crazy revolutionary idea. What if the car was great to drive? <laughs> What? What? I, I know. I know. I'm out on a limb. You are. I'm out on a limb. Out I'm there like, by yourself. I'm like saw the limb that I'm standing you on. I know are. it's crazy, but what if the car was great to drive? That, I don't care if it revs. I don't care if the lights blink. See, you know what your problem is. You're using logic. I am, That's and I'm also I'm I'm using the doing. the desire of a car enthusiast to get in a car and have it be awesome. I mean, all of this to say, look, I don't want I don't want to I don't want to downplay this and have it just be about the rev thing because the truth of it is. New Mustang is coming. This is a yes. this is a company who we've talked about this before. They used to make a car for every enthusiast at every price point, and they have yes. stopped with the exception of the Mustang. Yeah, and there would definitely be and and, and the Mustang. We we have heard a lot of this. The Mustang program is an expensive program at Ford. Okay, it, yeah, it, by its nature. Yeah. Over here, you have the F one fifty program at Ford. That you know that just prints money for Ford. Yeah. Yep. Versus the Mustang, which is an expensive program. I mean, they make money, but it's an expensive program for Ford to do the Mustang. It's still a specialty car compared to the F-150. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The The temptation is there for Ford to be like, yeah, new Mustang. It, it Just Mustang. The, the name continues Mustang. Which they haven't done that. Based on their trajectory with all their other cars and the divisions now being introduced, mm-hmm. I thought that was what they were going to or do. Or here's the all-electric Mustang. I mean, they, right. have, they have at least leaned into this name. Now, I'm not sure about the your screens going on inside but we got to see it in person but they they definitely have gone let's do something that feels more than just a body refresh mm-hmm. and make a new mustang and i applaud them for that there's some things like revving at a distance is a little weird but okay all right speaking of body refresh i've looked at the photos a little more closely and even though the proportions are similar well pretty much the same i do like what's happening with the sheet metal i think the architecture is even more crisp. The lines are better defined. The mm-hmm. rear flanks actually have a, a nice zigzag for the reflections right behind the driver's door or sort of right at that shut line. I have to admit, I looked around and I thought, this is even more well-defined and distinctive, even though the proportions say it's been around forever. Yes, I, I think the styling looks, looks great. Well done. I think it looks great. And again, yeah. photos never really tell the tale. Right, right. But I will say that the versions with the hood scoop in the middle of the hood from some angles do say WRX. Well, it's hard to avoid that, I suppose, at any, but, any but, car manufacturer. But yeah. it's a cool-looking Mustang, I have it to is. say. It is, and you can rev it with your <clears throat> fog. You can do that. The, you know what the other big reveal was? It doesn't really relate to everyday driver, but we have to talk about it. Yes, yes. Ferrari. We never really talk about Ferrari. I have to start here first. Because, you know, we've made fun of Alfa Romeo. We've made fun of Maserati. We've made uh-huh. fun of specifically of Maserati because they can name their cars whatever they want. You know, the Quattroporte is the four-door. Levante is lifted. Uh-huh. uh-huh. So Ferrari, I'm going to stay in English for a second. Okay. Ferrari is releasing the Thoroughbred. Yes. The Ferrari Thoroughbred. Now, in English, I would think that means, oh, wow, Ferrari has just released naturally aspirated mid-engine V8 manual transmission. We're going back to our, this is as Ferrari as Ferrari gets. This is the thoroughbred. It's an SUV. It is. And I want to hate it. And I do not. Not surprised. The puro sangue. Puro sangue. Puro sangue. Oh gosh. Okay. Yes. I love this thing. Do you really? I don't just like it a little bit. I am sh- I'm actually shocked. I'm shocked at how much I like it. Really? I'm, I have allowed myself to like it. I am admitting I like it. Uh-huh. Based on Ferrari's orders, they might have far more orders than any allocation they might have thought of. I am sure. There's estimates that these are going to be $400,000, which is a house. It's a nice house. Yeah. Depends on where you are in the country, but you get yourself yeah. a really nice $400,000 yeah. house. And that's if you can get it at list. Yeah. 
because they're going to be so in demand, they're going to go above list. And I, I like it. Here's I'm why. actually surprised, but keep going. Here's why. I will be counterpoint boy in a minute. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. Let's start with the specs. Uh-huh. Naturally aspirated V12. They did get that part right. They got th- that. That is stunning. Stunning. V12s are not dead, everyone. Mm. Six and a half liters, 715 horsepower, 528 pound-feet of torque with an 8250 RPM redline, all-wheel drive, and an F1-derived eight-speed dual-clutch transmission. That is... That's the modern version of what you just said. Mm. Old school manual, you know, yeah, mid-engine. Sure, that's sort sure. of the modernized, I, I, delicious I specs. Yeah. Well, but, but the thing, I, I want to also stop here again and go back. We just talked about a 500-horsepower Mustang GT. We're now talking about a 715-horsepower four-door, four-seat, SUV-shaped thing. I think we have all, and I, I am pointing the finger at all of us, you and I and everybody, we've all become... Uh, kind of blind to how huge these numbers are. Yes. That is a that is a massive number. Yes. 715 horsepower, 528 pound-feet of torque is a staggering amount of power. It should move. It should move okay. I that literally <laughs> I I I'm working my way to not having anything to say. I'm so shocked by a number like that. Look at it this way. SUV indicates tall, kind of clunky Oversized, low, yeah, tall yeah, center yeah. of gravity. Yeah. And Ferrari had many opportunities to screw this up, but I sure. don't think they have mm. by virtue of proportion. Imagine Ferrari builds a Mazda RX-8. Okay. That's what they've done. Suicide doors, they appear as if those doors can be operated independently. So you could just open the rear mm-hmm, doors. Mm-hmm. That's not really the point. But the proportions are the point because it's not too tall, like an Urus. Sure, sure, sure. It's not a sports car or yeah, a, yeah, yeah. a Lusso, which they've kind of already done. And and it clearly doesn't look like the Lusso, which I actually no. like the Lusso. I actually Lusso's like the FF and cool. Lusso. I think it's really cool. And it's on my kind of weird cars I'd like to own list. But it definitely looks higher and bigger and more trucky than that. And I'm, I'm yes. pushing the term. Yes. But I take your point. It doesn't look like the Urus or the Cayenne. It doesn't look big. It doesn't look large. And it looks like it's... It can be down low, like mm-hmm. you know, for for the design brief to say package four people mm-hmm. and still give it a lot of power, sportiness, good driving behavior. I think they absolutely nailed it for what a modern Ferrari should be, mm. because they can't sit on their laurels. And you know, I'm sure there's people there that wish they could just build mid-engine manual transmission V12 flat twelves, amazing, and. They'd probably be purchased, but for what buyers want and for the point of, wow, you can take actual human beings in the back mm-hmm, and it's not mm-hmm. just, we kind of made a four door and well, that was the 612. Well, it's all, yes. And it's also the, the Luso, which is a two door, you know, I mean, it, it, it's, you, you've got back seats back and you can't, I mean, we've seen the guy that shows up in his FF and hauls skis. It's doable, yes. but it's because you dedicated yourself to doing it, not because it really can. Even though this is expensive, it makes Ferrari now seem like you can drive it every day. You can, yeah. It's designed to be driven all the time, mm-hmm. and it is the go-to car, and it's the best of all worlds for people that want to own a Ferrari and something high-end and have that cachet and all the and amenities. And have that cash. <laughs> and cash. <laughs> yeah. But also, it's not just for special occasions anymore. It's not their high-end, crazy, weird supercar. Well, those just come out for Sunday mornings. Sure, sure, sure. Even the Lusso is sort of like, yeah, I guess there's yeah. some people who do. But, but, but to your point, but those aren't volume sellers. When that guy shows up in the FF, we all go, oh my gosh, he right. brought the FF. Right. Yeah, I totally get And it's you. still a little, there's other cars that person would own. Yeah. This could be your only car. You you can have oh gosh I can't believe I'm going to say this. how crazy you, you is could that? have an all Ferrari garage and this is your usable daily well of course Porsche does the same thing I know they're guilty know. of that yes but but it's interesting to compare it to Porsche actually because you know Porsche and, and we've talked about this before we're, we're thrilled that Porsche makes sports cars okay yes. but yes. but the reason Porsche still makes sports cars is because they make an SUV. because they make two SUVs the Macan <laughs> and the Cayenne maybe soon to be three essentially. They, they float that whole company, and yes. they're the reason that the 911 and the Boxsters and the, the fantastic things that we love, those exist because Porsche made the SUVs. And once they did that, even though it was you know, sacrilege, what are you doing? Yes. Even though 
they survived that, and that's one of the. They were one of the, the the people that really pushed every other automaker, including Ferrari, even though it took a while, over the edge to be like, we could make an SUV. The difference with Ferrari, though, Ferrari is doing okay cash flow wise. Yeah. Ferrari's not in danger. <laughs> so the difference that Ferrari has is, to your point of the fact this doesn't look like a big SUV, they can make an SUV knowing it will sell because Porsche and everybody has proven it, but they also can make one that doesn't have to be a company saving this must do everything that every SUV does because they are plenty solvent with massive people signing up to buy whatever they make. True. And that begs the question, with this new category for them, which is truly an SUV, it appeals to the the things that every buyer seems to want. True. Does True. that mean Ferrari continues its ways of holding you at arm's length because you're a new buyer? They have a new problem on their hands. Mm, interesting. Because forever, oh, you want to you wanna join Ferrari? You've never bought one from us before? Here's the Portofino, or it used to be the California. Yeah, or whatever the intrigue Ferraris of the right. time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why don't you drive that for a couple of years and and mm-hmm. we'll talk in a couple of years and, and you trade that back in. We'll see what we can sell it for. And then we'll talk about you moving yeah, yeah. up to an F430 or a 458 <laughs> or 488. It's or, so infuriating. Yes. But this says to every buyer who's never even considered Ferrari. Wow. I've got Ferrari cachet and performance mm-hmm. and luxury and a active roll control suspension. Mm-hmm. Incredible performance that you can take people and gear legitimately. Yeah. And I want one. Are they going to tell people no? Yeah. Those people who want, they're brand new to the Ferrari brand. Never heard of that's you That's what SUVs are designed to do is bring people to the brand because right. this is what You're everybody right. wants. Yes. We're selling these. It's the, it's the car they're, behind the door that we all already have. Exactly. They're, Come get they're, this. Their company mantra, their ethos that is unspoken, but we all know is stay away. Yes, it Go is. Go away. Yes, it is. Or Ferrari. You know what? Buy Here's a, a car chain. that everybody wants to buy. Please come buy it. Yes. And people signed up for it. People did. Yeah, it's interesting. Will they continue? And will Ferrari change their ways because of the Puro saying and uh, say, you know what? We'll build as many as people raise their hands for. We might even have some on dealer lots and I, you can come buy one. I doubt it. I think what's going to happen here, because again, they don't, it doesn't have to save them. I think what's going to happen here, and I cannot believe I'm going to say this, <laughs> but I think there's going to be such demand for this. Which has already been shown, yes. That they are going to have to go back into their rosters of the special people that get the special things and make sure those folks get them first. Where it should be the opposite. It should be, I I cannot believe I'm saying this either. (laughs) I have a half million dollars to buy my family car. I'd like a Ferrari. I think Ferrari is going to have to vet, or let me rephrase, have to is not the right term. I think Ferrari is going to vet and be like, well, we haven't heard of you before. Right. Because they're going to be so in demand. I cannot believe we're living in a world. But we are living in this world where this happens. Here is an SUV. We've built it. It's world class. And the proportions and the styling, I think, are fantastic for a modern car. And I think in terms of car designers and what everybody is sketching, and you want something to be pushing the Ferrari brand Mm -hmm. in the future, still modern, but still classically beautiful, sensual Italian shapes. Mm -hmm. That has to be apparent somewhere on the car. It can't just be crazy styling for the sake of, this is a $400,000 car. Well, you've got to have nutty styling because you paid so much. Maybe not, but there's sensual, gorgeous surfaces. The hips are so beautiful that the car sits right mm-hmm. and they had every top opportunity to screw this up and make it too tall. And that's a little bit ungainly. And that looks like it's got its tongue hanging out. It looks, yeah. you know, got out of the insane asylum and that just looks dumb, <laughs> but man, is it fast? You go Ferrari. Yeah. No, it's beautiful. It sits right. It's like they made an oversized RX eight. Well, and they also Ferrari has struggled with their two plus two styling wise. If you think True. about the 612, you think about the FF, which I actually like, a lot of their 2 plus still 2 doesn't or say Ferrari. 4 screen things, they, they have love it or hate it styling. Mm-hmm. And this, I do think styling-wise, they've nailed it. I cannot believe it exists. <laughs> also, I have to say this because it's me. Ferrari really, really doesn't want what is referred to as an SUV. Right. And I'm going to call out again the fact that Ferrari made the thoroughbred, and it's an SUV. Yes, uh-huh. and come get it. We're building it, but wait, we've never heard of you, so we don't want to sell you I one. I think that's going to happen again, and we're still going to see them. Well, that ties into a brief topic Tuesday that we've discussed before, and I wanted to bring it back up because I was thinking about the GR86. Okay. 
And the question is, is a lower powered car ultimately more interesting to drive? Mm. You might be able to use the word satisfying, maybe. Mm, okay. I but is you. it more interesting to drive? And if so, then what is the point of aspiring to own a high powered car? A Purosang or a Mustang? Oh, there you go. What's yeah. the point? If yeah, yeah, yeah. the car manufacturers are making them, none of us should be complaining. To your point last podcast, why can't we be happy? <laughs> and we're Look not happy. We, yeah. We've got 500 horsepower and a manual transmission, not for another 18 months, but still apparently it's coming <laughs> and there's the car. Supposedly there will be, and you're going to be able to rev it from the coffee shop. <laughs> oh, goody. Anyway, is this the last Mustang mm. as we know it? Mm. Is this mm. the, the final yeah. culmination of the recipe? And that's why... Ford is going after six different racing classes with the Mustang in addition to the GT and the 2.3. I mean, we've got to have all the rental Mustangs and the convertibles, so that's, they'll yeah, be taken care of. And then the there, GT yeah. is the one everybody can mm-hmm. buy. And then the Dark Horse, if you're serious, Dark Horse R if you're nuts. And then if you're a race car driver, <laughs> six other examples We'll see for you at you. Le Mans, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, see you at Le Mans. Uh-huh. We'll see how we do. Yep. And that replaces the GTE class. Mm-hmm. Is this sort of the peak? Is this peak Mustang R? This is a lot of power in all these cars. Yes. They're, it's going to make them very, very valuable. But if low-power cars like our GR86 are really satisfying to, mm-hmm. to extract good driving out of, why would Ford build this? Why would we even be interested in the GR86? Mm-hmm. Why should we be amazed by the Mustang and the fact that it exists? And here we go. I'll keep it going. Should okay. Ferrari build a low-powered sports car, like 300 or 350 horsepower, <laughs> somewhere in there? Low power for Ferrari, but kind of bonkers by the, everybody else's standards. Yeah. I mean, to your point, Ferrari's doing fine. Yeah, they'll they don't okay. need to, they'll and be they okay. won't. I'm not worried about them. With yeah. all the orders, apparently they've, they're overwhelmed with Purosang orders. <laughs> they're not going to build anything else for a while. <laughs> I could see Ferrari shutting down and just building that for a bit. Maybe they'll carve that off into a separate company. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like Genesis. Oh, my gosh. And then that keeps Ferrari pureness all pure. Mm-hmm. And then the SUV land, the thoroughbreds yes, the are over thoroughbreds here. thoroughbreds are over here. Their new thoroughbred corral. <laughs> the, We're building them over here. The newborns and sort Woo-hoo. of the horses that should have been sent to the glue factory. Those are the ones you can, you know, all the <laughs> rich people can buy. And those the are the crazy factories. ones. Yes, I like right? it. The crazy horses. Yeah, for crazy sure. glue. I'm Come on. Yes, I get it. Yep. Should we aspire to all these? Uh, I mean, car manufacturers are building really high-powered, high-performance cars. All the electric ones coming. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lots of horsepower. Oh, yeah. Crazy stuff. Yeah. But here, nobody's going to buy a low-powered electric anything. Interesting point. I wonder. Leaves have fallen. They've, <laughs> they've gotten raked up and... <laughs> Sent to the autumn has come and claimed the leaves. <laughs> exactly. Can we go that way? Yeah. Uh-huh. Nobody wants a low-powered leaf. Everybody, you know, associates electric cars with a lot of power. Yeah. If they didn't have that power, would anybody buy them? Would they be satisfying to drive? It's the thing that has defined them for sure. And Tesla's led the way on that. I mean, for that sure. GR yeah. Corolla, three hundred horsepower. That's it moves. Yeah. yeah it yeah. scoots. Yeah. That's the thing. Three hundred horsepower compared to everything we've talked about is about half of what we've talked about so far. Yeah. So you would think, well, 300 horsepower. If you drive the Corolla, I don't think you drive the Corolla and you, and you think, yeah, I don't know. 300? Did you just wake up on the powerful. wrong side of the bed? Seriously. Did you not hear the gun go off? 300 is a lot. For any kind yes. of car you daily, 300 horsepower is a lot. And you know, this brings up something that I saw at Cars and Coffee yesterday. I saw two, I think they were late high school kids. Mm-hmm. Were they revving their engines with the key fobs? They were not. That's going to happen. They were in, I'm sure, I, I hope it was dad's. They were in dad's. McLaren 650 convertible at Cars and Coffee. Oh, goody. And they rolled through. Oh, goody. And uh, look, this is this is not a parenting discussion. It's not. This is not a, a discussion of people that have a lot of money. This is not that either. But my question is, if you're just driving and you've got access to a McLaren, mm-hmm. where'd he go? What's next? Because you've started so high, cruise man. Who's who's the who's the person? Who's the part of your life? Or let me let me put it another way: Does that person actually wind up a car lover or a driving lover? I kind of think they don't. Okay, because you started at such a high place when you have that kind of teenage excitement. I mean. The teenage excitement is I'm 16 and you gave me the world's worst car and I'm still excited because I get to drive that. Yeah. But now you're 16, 17, 18 and you're driving a McLaren to Cars and Coffee for the heck of it. How do you convince that person 
that a Miata or an 86 is fun because they, they, they've started so yeah. high. Yeah. It's, uh, this is going to sound weird. It's like the car equivalent of the tiny house movement. And I'm not a, like a tiny house fan, but I'm just saying people like the tiny house movement because they simplify and they, put this, they drop this house in the middle of some crazy place and they're like, look at where I am and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. get it, okay? I understand the concept. I don't want it, but I understand the concept. Okay. How do you take a person that's been in 10,000 square feet and convince them to go for a tiny house? Now, they may like the tiny house more, but in this case, we're talking about... Tiny house I started water closet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I, started, I started driving McLarens. That means I've got to go up to, what, a Bugatti? What, where, where do you go? And how do you convince somebody that, you know what, fun can be had for a fraction of a fraction of what that cost? And power. Yes. And with that much power, there's... Aside please, from a please track, say there's much responsibility. Please, please. please. Uh, okay, fine. <laughs> Sorry, go on. You're already hearing it in your head. Uh-huh. But when you have that much power in a car, you can't use it outside of a track or a drag race. No. And therefore, all it becomes is a standard. Well, you know what this car can do because you know it's fast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't have to demonstrate it to you. Yeah. You know it's just inherently fast. It's bragging rights. Weirdly, all the, we'll say the mid-90s Ferraris, Man, do they look great. Mm-hmm. They look like they can just beat every other mm-hmm. car. Actually not. There's a lot of kind of ugly cars that are way faster and better to drive. Right. I mean, STIs, Subarus can probably scare and beat most of those mid-90s Ferraris. I'll go you another one. I love the Jaguar E-Type. Most people like the E-Type. The E-Type is beautiful. It's very interesting to drive. And I, all of you listening, I don't care what it is you drive. You could take the E-Type. You could take it. You could just take that. I'm in an E-type. You're it. I don't I, bring whatever you've got. If you're driving something, you're going to beat me in an E-type. Yeah, yeah. So for those people, those teens driving through, th- that's just a flex. I know I can beat everybody because the numbers say I can beat mm-hmm. everybody. But they probably haven't gone to explore the limits of that car because where don't. do you go explore those yeah. limits? And then, are you having that much more fun? Then extracting all the power, mm-hmm. all 228 horsepower out of the GR86. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say. But if we don't have these cars, if we just flatly say, nope, all the low power sports cars are good. What's the point of aspiring to, to any of these cars? Mm-hmm. Why should we think, you know what? I cannot wait to buy a new Mustang GT. 500 horsepower. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it's got a crowd control button, you know, some new feature in there <laughs> along with the... <laughs> It's got cars in coffee mode where it restricts yes, everything back to you. walking pace until you get like two miles like two clear miles of the place away. where you put a point. Exactly right. You got to type it into the. <laughs> it goes. I got to get on cars in coffee mode. I've got two more blocks. Something's wrong with your car. No, it's in the mode. Oh, it's just defending me from idiocy. Along with the vanilla ice Fox body display. We've got that as a new feature because all digital, which is great. It's funny. I mean, theoretically, it brings up like all the generations of the Mustang. You can even go back to 19. 64 and have the original uh-huh why not it's digital it's just ones and zeros the answer is yes right we are everywhere on this podcast <laughs> and i am loving it by the way it, we are completely all over the map i mean the, th- the I thing want is beautiful fun high power sports cars to aspire to to yes. think i could afford that i could yes. buy that i could try that and yes i think it will be more fun but i also know that as a you and i as drivers mm-hmm. I can only speak to that. Sure. We know that we will be able to extract some of, at least some of that performance and enjoy that. Mm -hmm. There's the limits are way out there. That's why they're making the race car versions, but still. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. We, you know, I I feel like I'm using about 75% of this car. Like, wow, that is amazing. There's a a lot of that. Yeah. Feel, you know, what, 95, you know, on its edge. Well, Mm -hmm. then you're spinning off into the gravel and (laughs) or or the light pole at cars and coffee. It's like, okay, (laughs) or the curb and the light pole and the median. Uh Yes, exactly. And now you're, now you're famous. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, like I said, as I was thinking about all the cars Mm -hmm. and the, the stuff that we've driven, the comparisons we've done this year and thinking, man, I've just had fun in low power cars and extracting all the stuff and as much as we love tires and what they can do and transform a car and then. These two things come along and blow my mind. Yeah. I like both of them a lot. The key thing I want to say here, though, is uh, I want to free all of us up, you and I and everybody else listening. And you and I have have this luxury because we have driven so much stuff. We started to see what I'm about to say. And that is I want to free us all up that what it all is is car experience. It's all car experience. Mm -hmm. And, and, And this is the crazy thing is the higher price tag and the higher spec sheet 
doesn't have to mean you like it more. We want to think that. You can detach yourself from that. But and, and, and what's interesting is if you get into something that is very expensive and you realize while you're in it because it's so luxurious or because it's so powerful, you go, oh, oh, see, now I get why it's so expensive. I don't have it, but I understand why. That's a nice moment as a, as a person, as a car lover, to be in something and be like, ah, I see where the money went. I, I get it. Now we have the reverse sometimes. We're sitting in a car going, why is this so expensive? That's really I not very nice. I see where the money didn't go. Yeah, exactly. What, what, how much profit are you getting on this? Because it's not exactly. in here. We see the opposite. Taking that moment, you, you've talked about it before. We've talked about it a lot. We tried so so much from day one of this podcast to or, or this whole show to take the badges off the car in our mind mm-hmm. and just be like, is it good? Yeah. And what's crazy is to get into something like a GR Corolla or an 86 or a Miata or whatever and have it be really good. It's also not that expensive and not that powerful, and the spec sheet's not wowing anybody. But then to get into a supercar and be like, this is really good too, and it has all of those other things. And both can be equally fun. Mm-hmm. Or the here's the controversial thought. Mm-hmm. You can drive the supercar and like it, but have it disappoint you. It is possible. And then you can drive the low-power, cheap thing and decide you'd rather have that. And both are valid. Fair enough. Okay, so let's play a quick game. You take the Ferrari badge off the Purosang. Sure. What is it? What is that car? What is that new newfangled SUV with the suicide doors? What is that thing? It's an Alpha or a Mazda. Okay, that's not bad. That's that's where my head Sensual, goes. Sensual, beautiful surfaces. Those style, the styling like would meet. Me, Back to my RX-8 two. commentary. You're right, I hear you. That that's good. Portion and very Alpha good. has v- great surfaces too. But the Mustang is the Mustang. I mean, you take the dark horse off, light horse, dark horse. I don't care. That's the horse. <laughs> that one has a pony. <laughs> I want a pony. Oh my god! It is car wash season. Always wash your car in a cool, shady spot, and always use the brilliant finish foaming sprayer or the Boss foam cannon from Grio's Garage. You can create a high-foam blizzard party right in your driveway with little to no work and avoid the wash-induced scratches. It's the safest way to wash your car. Try the Griot's Garage Foaming System Complete Kit today and see what the foam is all about. And don't forget, Griot's also has full ceramic family of products, including Speed Shine, Wash and Coat, and a 3-in-1 Wax. Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed, and all the liquid products are made in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EDRIVER for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else on your order just for our audience. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Don B. writes to us as a person desperate for a naturally aspirated engine. Not just any. <laughs> yeah, I read that. I was aspirated. like, we could solve that. Wait, this takes a turn. <laughs> Don, thanks for writing. Really appreciate that you're watching, you're listening, you're Mm -hmm. following along. Don has a seven-month-old son. Okay. He and his fiancée are also planning to have one more child. And they're in the market for a second car. They've got the family car already, which is a 2022 Toyota Highlander. It's leased. They're very happy with it. Mm -hmm. They love leasing from Toyota because it's worry-free driving. His fiance is stay at home and he works seven miles round trip from his home and he only goes to the office about three days a week. Okay. Don likes to take the occasional family road trip to scenic destinations around the Pacific Northwest. They live in Oregon and they say, honestly, they, they love the beautiful mountain drives. Younger Don would like to Canyon carve in a nine 11, but with that being out of his budget and the love of cruising with his family, he says that doesn't really feel like the right car for him. He's always loved GT cars and previously owned, get this, a BMW 840. Hmm. Whoa. He okay. said, as a single man, mm-hmm. the car was surprisingly reliable mechanically. <laughs> well, hang on. So, re- <laughs> rewind that sentence. The car was surprisingly reliable mechanically. Mechanically speaking. <clears throat> Electronically now. The electrics. Huh. So he ended up selling it. Other previous cars he's owned are an 05 Volvo S60R a 2010 Volkswagen GTI Autobahn, and a 93 Saab 900 Turbo. So you like quirky. I mean, the, the GTI is normal, but the S60R is not normal, and the 900 Turbo is not normal, and he also had an 840. This is this is interesting, eclectic car taste here. I like it. Well, Don says he's done the turbo thing. He's wanting to get back to naturally aspirated power simply due to the smooth delivery he knows gas can be bad, the MPG is bad, but mm-hmm. he doesn't really drive that far. It's not a commute car, ever. It's not. I, I mean, it kind of is, but... Well, the commute's nowhere. Three and nowhere. Half miles. Yeah, exactly. Whatever. Totally, yeah. So, 
He has had a positive V8 experience. Mechanically speaking, it's been great. That <laughs> the engine was the best part about that experience. So you yeah. see what that line of thinking does. That just uh-huh. makes you think if it's really great V8 mechanical, how about a V12? The V12 has to be that much better. Four cylinders worth of mechanical, beautiful gloriousness. With multiple question marks at the end of that sentence. He's like, if the V8's good, the V12 has to be better, right? Don recently found a 2002, as of this recording, a 20-year-old mm. car. Mercedes-Benz. Uh-huh. CL 600 with under 100,000 miles for under eight grand. <laughs> I'm sorry. Those were, what were those new? The, the lots. One, 120? Yeah. 130? Yeah. They had to be a six figure car. 20 years ago. He's thinking this would be a great second car. Uh-huh. His daily. Mm. Because he doesn't need to drive far from work. His MOF has the reliable family car and it would make a family friendly road trip car too. Um, the CL 600, just go look up images of that Mm -hmm. from 20 years ago. That is a two door. Mm -hmm. I knew a person that actually had one new. Okay. His name was Roger Maybon. He started actually G drive that was sold to Sandus that sold to Western digital. And so he was like this tech executive. Yeah. yeah. That is like the perfect. Sure. You know, seems perfect for him. Sort of imposing and style and class and all that stuff. It's two plus two though, right? It's two plus two. It's a two door. Two plus two. Large. It's, it's like a sedan. Yeah. It's, it's it's a, yeah, it's kind of like a two door version of an S class with a big V12 up front. Yeah. V12. Mercedes V12. Yeah. Don says that in his research, about $3,000 worth of preventative maintenance <laughs> would go a long way, but the unexpected maintenance is freaking him out. Yeah, there's, there's the logic. Logic has entered the discussion. I like it. So the question is, first, do we have any experience with V12 GT cars? Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, this is, that's the name of the show, V12 but, GT car show. That's the whole right? garage right now. Yeah. And what's our perspective on owning a high mileage CL <laughs> <laughs> 600? Woof. He says it sounds like a dumb question as he types it, but the idea of natural aspiration is calling to him. Don, I love that you want a naturally aspirated car. I love that. It's awesome. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring a moment of uh, reality on this that isn't actually about the V12 at all. Okay. And that is uh, you, have a, you, have a one, you have a seven-month-old, and you want to have one more child. It sounds like, like fairly soon. Mm-hmm. You like taking family road trips. Mm-hmm. If, you're, if you're wanting to buy something currently and you want to take the whole family, we're talking rear-facing child seat. Huh. Will that fit in the back of this big 2 plus 2? And I'm not sure it will. A lot of, lot of struggling. And if you have Maybe. a second child while you have this car, you're now talking about, count them, two rear-facing child seats in a 2 plus 2. I See, there's that logic again. Don, here, here's why I'm asking the question. You have that, you have that Toyota Highlander. And that is your family car. And I'm wondering if you need disconnect this car you want to get for you that's naturally aspirated from it being a family vehicle. Okay. Because okay. I, I think merging those two is going to be difficult because the flip side now is if we get into 20-year-old Mercedes V12s for under ten grand, <clears throat> what I'm worried about happening is you and the woman you love and your kid or kids on the side of the road having taken a family trip. Explaining about timing chain failures. And, <laughs> and I think that's a conversation or an experience none of you want to have. Hmm. So I, the big thought for me here is I like, I like a lot of where your head's going on this because it's crazy and we are nuts too. But I, I'm wondering if you need to disconnect this car you're searching for from actual family duty because I'm worried about it either not fitting all of you or leaving all of you horribly <laughs> stranded. I like your thinking. You're, you're absolutely right. And Don, 49% of me wants you to say yes, pull the trigger, get that car, enjoy. Oh my gosh, uh-huh. rocking yeah, a yeah. CL600. Who are you? The 51% of me goes, <laughs> a V12, that as a car enthusiast, guess what you're going to want to do? See how fast she can go and what it'll rev to. Mm-hmm. And a 20-year-old, high-mileage V12 with a lot of moving parts... Might not survive that. Unknown, maybe it will. Maybe we can just lean on Mercedes reliability from that era and say, we'll call it good. It'll do just fine. 
might not. Well, but but the one that was meticulously maintained that actually cost you some money, I would feel a lot less concerned about than the 100,000-mile one that you know needs service and is under $8,000. That's a terrifying sentence. There's something that you said, Todd, long ago, and it was with my first 928. Oh, okay. Got it. That one. Never forget this. Uh-oh. When I took it to an independent service shop sure. to have it, just the oil changed. Uh. You know, I had got it for 19 grand back then. And you said something to the effect of, well, yeah, it wasn't, you know, it's a $19,000 car. That's what you paid. But still in 1988, it was $80,000. So it's mm. still an $80,000 coming into the shop. Doesn't matter what you bought it for anymore. Sure. This CL600 is still a $120,000 car coming into the shop for service work, even though you bought it for 8K. That was, we talked about this when we had our cheap sedans. Never forget that. Good, because I I thought about it again. It came back around to me when I bought the Phaeton and knew that it was an $80,000 or so car. And I I remember mentioning to you at this point, I was like, look, I bought it for five grand, but I am maintaining a car that is essentially a close to $100,000 car. So so the maintenance cost is not going to be $8,000 car cost. It's going to be $100,000 car cost. And and yes, I, I hear you, Don. You think there's three. You've you've clearly dug into some forums, and you found <laughs> for three thousand dollars, I can maintain. A, it's going to be a, what whatever the thing is. This is this is, and I'm honestly, Don. I'm not pushing you away from this car. I'm just offering this perspective. Has <laughs> having owned a Phaeton, because you could. I did think about this. You want something crazy? Get yourself the W10 Phaeton. Cool. That's a family car that you would love. You will, the the <sighs> the the Toyota will never take another road trip. You and the family will easily fit in a in a ten cylinder Phaeton. Think about the great family road trip car that would Gulp. be if it ran. Okay, if there was no problems. So all of that's going on. My my concern. For, <laughs> I mean, what if you don't spike the ball and you just get like that Audi S six with a V ten? What if it wasn't the V twelve? Yes. What if you got that Gallardo? V10? Sorry, I can't do it. I, I hear I you. Couldn't though. do it. No, but I get it. I get it. Yeah, Might I stuff. instead suggest V eights? V eights generally run. Mm-hmm. We like them. And instead of paying eight k, what if you paid a bit more and got a better car and a mm. car that was kind of known and has a, a large community? Maybe the CL six hundred does, but. I just don't think it does. Maybe. I would <laughs> All love to those be independent CL600 mechanics that are looking for people to do, they want to right. do work inexpensively to keep those boys running. Yeah. Don, I generated a list. Starting oh, with the E90 BMW M3. That's a really good one with V8 a good family sedan, car. V8 noises, fast, naturally aspirated. It uses every bit as much gas as this CL600 can possibly drink. It, I mean, I'm sure it's an even drinking contest there. So Probably. why not one of those? Problem is, even the good ones are 30 grand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about if you want to stick with Mercedes, that E55, that W210 generation from about 20 years Mm. ago? At some point, I looked around and I thought, I missed the sign-up sheet for SL55s and E55s because everyone has them in silver. (laughs) (laughs) They were passing about. They were. How about a Jaguar XJR from like 2004? Mm. V8, silky smooth. British car, large family in the back. It's four doors. Or if you want to play the safety card, how about a Lexus LS or like the GSF with a V8? Mm. You paid more, but you still got a V8. And you have a family car that's going to run four doors. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a bit of a sleeper rocket I ship mean, I, there. I can't imagine that the that's GSF, going to handle yeah. any worse than a CL600 Mercedes. Yeah. And it's, yeah, you know, I really like that one now that you land on. I didn't think about GS that car. Or GSF, that's good. something like that. The GSF, if you could find it, you're going to spend money on you're it. You're going to spend more money. But it's going to run. It's a re- That engine is underappreciated. That's the best thing about the Lexus lineup is that engine. Sorry, I, I'm off on a thing now. No, yeah. it's, it's fine. Because I just think about the CL600. You would be pouring, let's say nothing goes wrong. You will be standing on the top of the I told you so mountain and laughing maniacally at all of us who said, don't buy the car. Sure. And you will win. Yeah. But there's the chance that you won't. And you will have poured a bunch of maintenance dollars into a car that really isn't appreciating and probably won't ever. Mm-hmm. There's a reason they're 8K, and there's a probably a reason they're going to stay at 8K for yeah. ever and ever and yeah. ever and ever. But like that E30, or sorry, E90 M3, mm-hmm. you know, not don't don't buy a car for the future appreci- appreciation, but yeah. you know, there's BMW enthusiasts who will always love that car and keep those cars running. The even the XJR, the Mercedes, the GSF will run. And then finally, something Chevy-powered, like a Pontiac GTO. Two doors, V8, power. Mm-hmm. 
it's every bit as difficult to get kid seats in the back of that thing as a CL600. <laughs> if you're looking for a challenge, so, we, can, we still got it mean, here. It's like a lateral move. Well, but at that point, get an SS. Now, an SS, a good SS is going to be forty grand to get sure. the manual, but that, that engine's killer. All the killer. benefits. And the, the, the handling, I feel, would be better than the, the CL. Yeah, It's a I much more there. modern yeah. car. It's Look, it, it's a Chevy badge on the front, and people are going to think it's a Malibu. That's a bummer. I get it. You don't get to say I have a, a V12 Mercedes, which is which is cool. Admittedly, very cool. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's usable now. You're gonna have like, to get a license plate with your Chevy SS. Like, not a boo, not not a Malibu. Yeah. It's not a. No, actually, what would be good is to actually get a license plate that just says Malibu. Just lean into it. The license plate just says Malibu. You know, people are like, what a boring car. As you, you know. Go through your monthly tire budget. If, if you're, if seriously, if you're on a fun road in the Pacific, I'll, I'll go here. Okay. If we were going to be on a fun road in the Pacific Northwest, yeah. Don and his significant other and two kids, yeah. And the choices are their Toyota that's wonderful, uh huh. The CL six hundred or the Chevy SS. For Don. He's happiest in the Chevy SS. I think so, too. Behind the wheel, happiest, for sure. Yeah, I think so, too. That's the one that's going to carve up any road you pick. And the kids have got space in the back. And and your fiancé probably says at some point, honey, slow down. Because that car just bombs. <laughs> yeah. All right, there you go, Don. Hopefully, we, we're helping you wean off the CL600 dream. <laughs> easy, easy there. Just, 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 yeah. I mean... Take take the risk, but no, it's a risk. That that's actually one of the other. The only last thing I'll say to you about the, the CL is this: if you want to get that car, I did this with the Phaeton. You have to steal yourself in one way. Look up what's the worst that I'm going to spend money on. What's the worst that could happen? Think about what the bad things are and get yourself because you said you're scared of it. Get yourself to a headspace where that's fine if it does. And if you can reach it, and I was there with the Phaeton because we were going to buy it for the show. There was a very good chance the shocks were going to go bad. <clears throat> they went bad right away. Yeah. Uh, but but I just I just steeled myself to, okay, we're going to have this car for this purpose for a year. I'm buying it super cheap. Here are the things that could go wrong. And I just kind of went in going, okay, I don't want that to happen. But if it does, I knew it was coming, and I'm just going to pay for it. If you can be there, Don, then yes, pursue that Mercedes. But I don't think you're there, and you need to be at that place to take this kind of gamble. You poured a lot of that stop leak coolant goo into your. There was a lot of stuff that happened. <laughs> you poured in the a lot of that there stuff into the engine. <laughs> Please, baby, keep running. That was that was going on. It's the hottest part of the summer, and if you think about it, your dashboard is on the front line of the battle against sun and sun damage, and it really deteriorates over time due to all the UV. A custom Covercraft dash mat protects your dash and keeps it looking new, as well as complementing your interior. With a wide variety of fabric styles and colors, you can even customize your dash mat with embroidery or logos like the Everyday Driver logo, or make it completely unique to you and your car. When you're shopping at Covercraft.com, remember to use the code EVERYDAY22 to get a 10% discount, and it ships for free. To get to Covercraft, you can follow the link from our sponsors page or go directly to Covercraft.com for high-quality covers and dash mats that keep your car protected and looking its best. There's a lot of great questions, as always. Thank you guys for writing in with questions. We asked for questions the day we record the podcast. That typically is Mondays and Thursdays for podcasts coming out Tuesdays and Fridays. So thank you guys for posting questions on social media. I also want to remind you, if you have something lengthy like a topic Tuesday or you have a car debate or a car conclusion, we would appreciate that coming to our email address. That is everydaydrivertv at gmail, or you can go to our website, everydaydriver.com. The contact button goes the exact same place. If you're listening to this podcast, we'd also appreciate a rating. That's how other mm-hmm. people find it. Keeps us in the top 10 of automotive podcasts. We really appreciate that. I'm going to start with, with Nick Lancey, who says, wait, wait, hang on, quick, quick, quick. He was going to drive a McLaren at one of those come drive exotic days, the, the high-performance driving days. He's oh, going sure. to drive a McLaren. The McLaren is broken down. His options now are Audi R8 or Ferrari 458. I really like the Audi R8. I think you need to drive the Ferrari. I have an idea, newly formed. Okay, good. I'm going to start a rental car company mm. that will rent you the exotic supercars for Sunday mornings only. <laughs> Take it to your local cars and coffee. Yes. Oh, they, all, they all have governors on them. Yep. It'll be from like nine to noon and you can rent it for a song. I know that nothing will happen. Beca- well, maybe because you'll yeah. be ter- It's the leaving well, of cars. and co- You got to have that cars and co- coffee governor. You got to yeah, have, once do. that system's ubiquitous, then it's fine. I'll have to install that on all mm-hmm. the cars, but then all you're doing is just slowly cruising. And I know it'll be parked for most of the time. <laughs> this is a surefire moneymaker. 
Am I off base? Uh, well, How off base I, am I? I don't know. I'm a little terrified of the leaving of the cars and coffees. Exotic rentals, good, yeah. not for track. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. For cars and coffees only. Nine to noon, and we're good. You return it by noon, and it'll be <laughs> 250 bucks for the morning. How about that? Deal. And you will hmm. be a baller. You will look like... You bought a Ferrari with a governor, but nobody cares because you have nobody to cares. come and go slowly and anyway. And most cars and coffees, they ask you to not rev your engines yes. when you're leaving and not tear out of there. Mm-hmm. And so most people are pretty good about that. Yeah. And so you'll just putter back to the rental car agency and drop the car back off and I'll just be swimming in cash. What do you think? <laughs> All right. There it is. Do it before somebody else does. It's a question here from Ted Adam Green, who's probably chafing at the bit based on our discussion about the Mustang and mm. how long it's taken to, uh, well, actually, when the 2024 Mustang comes out. That's yes. exactly his question. Should there be an industry standard on lead time for concepts and new cars? Mm. We see concepts 18 months before possible production. Ding, ding, ding. And actual production cars only three months before the on-sale date. All this lead time is killing us enthusiasts. I agree. It, but it's... It, it's less lead time than it is hype time. That's there's a difference because yeah. people used to say this is coming and you saw it at the local auto show and I feel like the thing that was coming wasn't everywhere. But because of the way the internet marketing happens and I get it, I understand you want your day in the sun. It's everywhere and everybody knows about it. It's in the public consciousness and then we forget about it and the car's not around for 2 years. Yeah. I Ted, I agree. But industry standard means that everyone has to agree. Uh-huh. That's going to happen. Yeah. Good, good luck <laughs> getting everybody to the negotiating table for that. Come, come right over here and sign this and then adhere to it. Oh, yeah, sure. It was like, it's like the top speed uh, you know, gentleman's agreement, the 155 yeah. or whatever, or the Japanese 276 brake 276 horsepower. horsepower like, even though they didn't sure. really have two to zero. But sure, like, I'll sign that. It's yeah, like I'll 400 with Max Bose. I'll do that. It's going to be fine. Yeah, yeah we mm-hmm. signed the paper. The 276, just like it says. Mm-hmm. But depending on the car, in the case of the Mustang, I believe it was because Ford wanted everybody to know with certainty that the Mustang, as we know it, isn't going away. Mm. Hey, everybody, don't go away. No, the Mustang's coming. It's going to be around for the foreseeable future. We're going to invest. We're giving you a 500 horsepower V8, manual transmissions, either Getrag or Tremec, depending on what you buy, and all these race series. It's going to be around. Don't you guys worry. It's also interesting that that was just after Dodge did their We're Thinking of Going Electric. Yes. Interesting that here comes Ford behind it with, we're not yet. Even though they will. if you were <laughs> reading all the news about Ford and what they're doing, dividing up the company oh, in yeah, the pie, yeah. into pieces of the pie and how they want to sell cars differently, and you would think the Mustang would have gone away. And I bet you that factored into the early launch and reveal. And even mm, though it does mm. take a lot of effort That's to good. turn over a factory, to stop on a Friday and start on a Monday, I'm being facetious, but yeah. stop with this production yeah, and yeah, yeah. retool and change everything over for the production of a new vehicle. It doesn't take 18 months. <laughs> it doesn't. We're going to be back sooner than <laughs> Unions will make sure we're back working sooner for than that. For sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. The car has already gone through pre-production. Mm-hmm. They know what yeah, they, yeah, they've yeah. theoretically worked on, all the fixtures and the tools and the jigs, and they, they kind of know what we're going to need to deal with. And then the factory has some downtime, and then they're back up and running very shortly. That can definitely happen. But it's all about, as you said, Todd, marketing perception. Mm. Hey, it's here, guys. Don't go away. No, it's coming. We're going to keep it going. We're going to can't wait to drive this. And then it turns out it, it, it's still going to kill us enthusiasts. I hate to say it, but it's yeah. going to continue to do that. And I don't see this problem getting any better because everybody thinks electric cars are going to rule the world, which they're not. And we ha- those car companies that want to come out with these models have to say, wait, don't go away. Still look over here, look our direction. But the thing that is compounding it right now, actually, is the fact that beyond the actual, these are supposed to be on dealers' lots. Currently, and I I believe this is slowly getting better, currently, we're having the supply problem on top of it. Mm -hmm. So while you may have had 18 months, two years from the car announced to when it's supposed to be in your dealer, now it's supposed to be in your dealer, but we can't get any because they're six months out or another ship sank or whatever. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. More ships will sink. Uh Hopefully not. Yeah. Speaking of that Dodge, Lord Vader asks if, you know, what's our opinion on that new electric challenger and the sound producing device? We have covered it before, but ultimately what I love is that it's giving car companies new design challenges, new Mm -hmm. creative challenges to differentiate it. And if you thought that electric cars would be boring, clearly Dodge says, no, they are not going to be boring. Yeah. Okay. It's artificially produced, but is that the worst thing ever? Just is that terrible? But it's going to sound cool and look cool and be pretty fast. And the fact that they're 
building it and they've got a I, brand I think new it's flavor. really interesting. I think I it's fascinating. Too. And I and I actually think the fact that they did a sound is interesting. That spoke speaks to a lot of the stuff I mean, we already covered it, I know, but it speaks a lot of the stuff that you've brought up before about electric cars and sound selling, all that kind of stuff. And I think it's the only place Dodge could go, you called that a couple of years ago, by the way. It's the only place <laughs> Dodge could go. The fact they're giving it a sound is great. The fact that the sound is fake is fine because every single major performance car right now is ha- pipe its sound in anyway. It's yeah. fake to begin with. Yeah. So, all right, let's make a sound. I think all of that's interesting. Guys, thank you so much for all your questions. Really appreciate it. Write to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. We're always looking forward to hearing from you. We read all the emails. We it's, do. It takes a while, but we read them all, I swear. <laughs> yeah. But thank you, and we're looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.